today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This is the first response, not the last resort, and it needs to be our first response. We go right to the Lord, straight away. That's what He does. He goes right to the Lord. And once you get to the Lord, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. You get to the Lord, and you pray to the Lord, and you ask for prayer. Some of us are just maybe a little bit too proud to ask for prayer. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Today, Pastor J.D. encourages you to follow King Hezekiah's example. When the circumstances of your life leave you feeling scared or uncertain, run to the Lord. Go to Him and ask Him to show you the way forward. As you pray, He'll remind you of His character and promises, and He'll show you what to do next. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 36 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Fear is so contagious, isn't it? This is why it is in the Old Testament accounts many times when God would command His people, if there's anyone that's afraid, send them home, because they will be a detriment on the battlefield. Because if they're afraid and they don't have the courage, they're going to influence their comrades and they too will become afraid. That's what's happening here. So what's their response? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. Let's talk in Aramaic. We sure don't want fear to spread. Doesn't say that. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew. Can you hear me now? I'm speaking your language. And said, hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Unsubscribe from his YouTube channel. Unfriend him on Facebook. He's leading you astray. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me, buy a present, and come out to me, and every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. We'll resettle you like we do with everyone else. Are you getting convinced yet? Beware, verse 18, lest Hezekiah persuade you 
saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where, verse 19, are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. <laughs> Game on, baby. I, I see what's happening here. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of David with the uncircumcised Philistine, the Valley of Elah. And here's Goliath, which David never calls him that name because that name means champion. And to David, he's no champion. He's an uncircumcised Philistine who has blasphemed the name of my God, like this guy just did. Big boo-boo. Because see, now this isn't between you and us anymore. It's between you and God. So here comes David, and the mocking and the talking smack all begins. Here's this uncircumcised Philistine. Wait, is this a joke? What are you doing here, kid? Go play on the freeway. What's the matter? What, why do you say, I, yeah, that's a very loose paraphrase, but you get the point, right? I mean, do you, do you know who I am? I'm good. And then he starts going in and he's saying things like, I'm going to I'm going to eat you for lunch and then save the leftovers for dinner. That's basically what he said. And David's like, um, I think there's been a big misunderstanding. To which Goliath is like, yeah, you better believe there has been. Send me a man. And David basically says to him, um, you're dead, number one just so we're clear. And I'll tell you why you're dead. Because you have blasphemed my God. And now I'm going to shut you up. And I'll have your head. And he did. Use Goliath's own sword. Now, I'm just thinking to myself that maybe it would have been good if Sennacherib knew what happened with this guy, this uncircumcised Philistine, because it didn't bode too well for him. And now he's doing the same thing that this uncircumcised Philistine did. You don't mock God and get away with it. You're mocking God. You're saying God's not going to deliver you. Hey, you think the Lord's going to deliver you out of my hand? You, you think the Lord's going to do that? Uh, yeah, actually I do. How about that? And that's exactly how it's going to happen. But, verse 21, this is very important, they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. 
How do I say this? I'll just say it. Sometimes the best answer is no answer at all. Proverbs 24, it's kind of confusing at first read, but don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest he become like them. Then the very next verse says, answer a fool according to their folly, lest they become wise in their own eyes. I, you know, early on in my Christian walk, I could never quite understand. It was like a contradiction. Wait, don't answer a fool, but then answer a fool? You know, which is it? Answer? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, here's the answer. Don't answer a fool in such a manner to where you become like them, a fool. Don't answer them. Don't come down to their level. No, you answer them, but you answer them in a way lest they become wise in their own eyes. And sometimes the best answer is no answer at all, because we say in our silence what we could never say by putting words to it. Verse 22, Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and told him the words of the Rabshakah. Now, understand in that culture, and this is throughout Scripture, whenever one tears their clothes, it is an outward symbol of being torn apart. My heart has been torn. I am in sorrow and grief. And that's what this was a symbol of. So, What is Hezekiah going to do now when he hears word of this? Chapter 37, verse 1. And so it was, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent, verse 2, Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. That's quite the imagery. In other words, we have no more strength. Like a woman in labor that's been in labor for a long period of time and just comes to that point where they just are so exhausted, they cannot bring this baby to birth. It may be, verse 4, that the Lord your God, now they're telling this for Hezekiah to Isaiah, it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, oh no, he heard them all right, (laughs) whom his master the king of Assyria has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Okay. There's so much here, and I'll try to be as brief as I possibly can. But this is the first response, not the last resort. And it needs to be our first response. We go right to the Lord. Straight away. That's what He does. 
He goes right to the Lord. And once you get to the Lord, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. You get to the Lord, and you pray to the Lord, and you ask for prayer. Some of us are just maybe a little bit too proud to ask for prayer. But this is a humbling of oneself saying, hey, we're in trouble. This is serious. This threat is a formidable threat. And it should never be a last resort. It should always be a first response. You get that email. You get that letter. You get that threat. You get that phone call. What's your first response? Get to the Lord, man. Get to the Lord. Reminds me of that story about a husband and wife, and something serious has happened, and the wife goes to the husband and says, Honey, we need to pray. To which the husband responds, Is it that bad? When did prayer become the last resort? It has to get really, 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 really bad before we pray. Wow, they're praying. It must be really bad. No, not a last resort. It's the first response. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and verse 6, Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. And he said it just like that, by the way. (laughs) Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. You will? Yeah. Can you imagine how... Hezekiah must have felt when he heard this word from the Lord. you got to know that up to this point, he did not know what to do, which is why he went to the Lord and prayed. When you don't know what to do, like we talked about in Second Chronicles 20 with another good king, King Jehoshaphat, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is the best place to be. Lord, what are we going to do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because you prayed, we're going to see this in a moment. This is the answer. God is telling him, you're not going to do anything. I am. He blasphemed me. I'll take care of this. (laughs) Watch me now. You don't have to do anything. I got this, Hezekiah. Then verse 8, the Rabshakeh returned. I told you, they keep coming back. The enemy is going to keep coming back. And found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he heard, interesting, that he had departed from Lachish, and the king heard, what did he hear? A rumor, perhaps, concerning 
Tirhakah, king of Ethiopia. He has come out to make war with you. So when he heard this rumor of war, he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. You know, what he, you know what's happening here? I mean, first of all, God's already at work with this rumor that he just got done telling Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah that he, he said, I'm going to take care of this. I'm even going to tell you how I'm going to do it. You're still going to have to believe by faith because I'm not telling you when I'm going to do it. I'm just telling you that I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to start a rumor. And he's going to hear this rumor. And he's going to turn around because of this rumor. And that's exactly what he does. And so when he hears this, he has to leave now the battlefield. But not before telling Hezekiah in a letter, hey, don't get your hopes up. Don't think for a second that your God's going to deliver you <laughs> from me. I got to leave real, I'll be back. I got to leave right now because I just heard about this other thing over here. So don't think for a second. To think that is to be deceived that God's going to deliver you. Even though I have to run, I'll be back. That's what he's saying. That's what the letter is. He said, don't get your hopes up. Just because I have to leave, I'm still going to come and get you, and God ain't going to stop me. And this is the letter that he sends him. <laughs> then, verse 11, I got you. This is amazing. Isn't this amazing? I love when God does this. Verse 11. Now this is still the letter that Sennacherib has written and sent to Hezekiah to read when he has to leave the battlefield. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed, Gozan and Haran and Rezef and the people of Eden who were in Talasar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Sepervaim, Henna, and Eva? In other words, translated, <laughs> your God ain't going to do it. I'm coming back and I'm going to get you. So now Hezekiah doesn't just have the spoken threats that he's heard, he also has a written letter with the words. This is in writing. So now what's Hezekiah going to do? Verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Wow. I mean, that's a mic drop right there, isn't it? He, he takes this letter and he just puts it out before the Lord. He says, Lord, 
Um, you got a letter, it's to you actually. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And we're going to read one of the most, I mean, glorious prayers in all of Scripture here. But I just want to mention before we move on that this is what you and I need to do every time we get one of these. And I as a pastor, I get my share of these. Reminds me of a story about a pastor who got a letter, opens it up, reads it. There's only one word on it. Fool. Now you have to understand, as a pastor, we're sensitive people, you know. We want people to like us. You like me, right? <laughs> I mean, we want to be liked. So when you get a letter like that, it's, yeah, it can hurt. Cut deep. So this pastor takes this letter, only one word, fool, written on it. And he gets up behind the pulpit and he says, you know, I've been a pastor for many years. And I've never yet received a letter like this. And he goes on to say, this is the first time ever in the pastorate that I ever received a letter where the writer only put his name on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I like that. See, this is, um, this is personal for me because I'll get letters every so often and there's no name. I have a file for the, those kind of letters. It's called the rubbish. You don't put your name on it. Unless your name is full, that's where it goes. You're not going to put your name on that letter? Well, then why should I read the letter? Oh, it's anonymous. Oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that just like social media today? You can hide anonymously with anonymity behind that screen and that keyboard or whatever, you know, these devices, the kids. Have you seen these young people, how they can text with their thumbs? I mean, smoke coming off those thumbs. You know, here in school, I just, give me, let me just indulge me. I, learned, I had typing class back in my day. I learned to type about 60 words a minute without too many errors, maybe a few. So when the keyboards and the computers came out and the PCs, I'm like, yeah. And then I'm looking at everybody else going, you know, like this. I'm like, <laughs> and then they came out with these phones with the uh, texting and, uh, and I can't do that because my hands are too big. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Enough of my problems. It's just not fair. Jesus is coming back. That's all I can say. So maybe you got a letter like this, didn't you? You take that memo, that, that employer's letter or email or notice, notice, whatever you want to call it. I have different words for it. Don't go there. I, they're not bad. They're just different words. You take that thing and you just go ahead and print it out. Go ahead. Put it out, lay it out before the Lord. Lord, did you, did you hear this? Did you read this? Did you see this? Oh yeah, I saw it. I knew that it was going to be sent to you before they knew they were going to send it to you. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Holy.